Husky fans. This is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to another episode of Yes, UConn, the podcast where we dive deep into the greatest UConn basketball games ever played. We have a very special guest today. Uh, so for the first couple of episodes, we've obviously been hearing from some past Daily Campus people, but uh, today we have an actual honest-to-God national champion with us, Suleiman Wan. Uh, he is a member of the 1999 National Championship team. And um, yeah, so Suleiman, um, you know, thanks again for coming on. Uh, you and I, uh, we've gotten to know each other actually through work over the last couple of years. And uh, so for the, so everybody knows you're, you're currently the head coach of Haverhill High up here in Massachusetts. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, you're coming off a pretty good season. Am I right? Yeah, this is the, one of the best seasons we had in a long time. So you know, just proud of my boys. And, um, you know, it was, it was nice to see Haverhill back and, and playing well. Nice. Awesome. Well, it's great stuff that you've been doing there. So, um, yeah, so today we're going to talk about uh, the Gonzaga Elite Eight game uh, in your 1999 championship run. Um, this is a game that I know just just speaking to my friends and, uh, you know, people who followed the program for a while, this game was a huge deal because um, before you guys won this game, UConn had that whole not making the final four monkey on their back. And you guys, by winning this game, and it was a terrific game, kind of broke through and really sort of kind of gave that program the, I mean, not that you needed the extra legitimacy, but it was a real, a, a really resonant breakthrough that uh, I think a lot of people had been waiting a long time for. So um, b- kind of real quick before we kind of get into it too deep, what was it like just to be a part of this whole experience and to, you know, be a part of the first Final Four team? You know, uh, one of the uh, best um, things going on in, in someone's life, just being right there in the um, part of, a you know, a, Tough game versus Gonzaga uh, national national championship and and, and uh, you know just the tournament overall it, it's it's beautiful it's it's one of the memorable moments really nice. in my life something that I'll never forget and being part of it was, was just you know something incredible I can't I can't even imagine so um so for the. For this game, uh, it was you guys had obviously just come off of a really good 1998 season the year before, uh, where you guys end up reaching the uh, I believe it was the Elite Eight then too uh, against UNC. I'm getting my years right. That's the one, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I remember vividly. You know, uh, yeah, we lost to Vince Carter and Jameson and all that the great North Carolina team final eight, and and I remember all of us sitting and and you know it was like tears in the in the locker room. Um, you know, from Kevin Freeman to Rip Hamilton to, to Vasco to everyone, myself included, we were just sitting and disappointed that we didn't reach the Final Four once again. And, and we promised ourselves that we were going to go back there the next year. So what was it like, I guess, going into the 99 season where you guys had gotten so close, but so many people were coming back? I know that, you know, Rip had a chance to maybe go to the NBA. Uh, you know, Kevin Freeman, I understand, had been considering transferring. So when you got the whole gang back together, was that definitely just something in the back of your minds? Like, this is something that we should be able to do? Definitely. We, we knew that we had a we had a clear chance of, of making it happen. You know, it's, it's, you know, college basketball, just any team in general, when you have continuity, we already know what we had to do once again, going all the way and losing to North Carolina. We know what we had to do as a team individually, what we needed to get better at, what we really needed to once again um, to do to get over the hump. And so it was great news when, when Kevin was coming back. And um, I know his decision also was, um, you know, uh, connected with Hamilton's decision. So Hamilton decided to stay, and then the whole gang was back, and then, you know, we took over from there. We were very excited, um, and the rest is history. 
Nice. So going into this Gonzaga game, you guys were riding an eight-game winning streak and uh, had been pretty impressive in the tournament up to that point. Uh, you guys, uh, as the one seed, you guys beat Texas San Antonio handily. You beat New Mexico pretty handily. And then the Iowa game was a little bit closer, but still uh, ultimately a decisive win. This Gonzaga game was very tight all the way throughout. Um, you guys really didn't actually put it away really until the final minute. And even then, it was pretty... Pretty much just a kind of a, you know hold on to your seat type of game all throughout. Um, when you guys when you were in the heat of the action, you know just kind of being a part of it, how how did how did it kind of feel just to be you know in this game that was so close after many of the other ones hadn't been? You know, Gonzaga was 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 a great team. You know, they were actually the number ten seed in that that year, and um, you know beating Florida and beating all these great teams in front of them. And, and they were scary, literally. They were they were a very scary team. And we knew it going into it. We knew that we had a, to be ready, and we knew that we had to bring our A games and uh, our A game. And, and once again, at the end, they showed beating them, whatever, five five points, whatever the final score was. Uh, once again, this team, this Gonzaga team, was, was just probably, you know, one of the best teams that year. And then we had to really come out and play well. Yeah. Know, to, to, to beat no, absolutely. So it struck me when I rewatched the game. So when you think of Gonzaga today, nobody treats them like they're a Cinderella. They've been a national power for decades now. But in this game, there is like the CBS broadcast, their their whole thing was this is very much a David versus Goliath type of thing. But it's funny because like you guys are the Goliath in this scenario, but you guys still kind of have something to prove. Neither the you know neither program had made the final four yet. So was, um, you know, how, how is that just like, you know, kind of the weird narrative that you're like a heavy favorite, but also in a weird way, like an underdog kind of big picture wise, was that something you guys had given any thought to? Um, you know, we were the number one seed and, and obviously they were number 10, uh, but we knew we weren't really, uh, we know they were the underdog. They were ready to go and, and, and go out and then play. Uh, of course, back then Gonzaga wasn't Gonzaga yet. I think that year kind of, um, you know, that year they made a statement, and, and since then they became uh, what we know for Gonzaga nowadays. But uh, once again, we were number t- we number one seed. So, I mean, obviously we were we were the, uh, the what's the word, the front runners like, going up. But we knew it was going to be a tough game because, once again, Gonzaga had it all. They had bigs. They had great guards. They had a great coach, and, and, and they were playing very well up to that point when they, 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 they faced us. So they even played well against us. So, um they were a great team to be reckoned with. Nice, nice. Um, so walk me through the the day, uh, like say leading up to the game. So you guys beat you beat Iowa. You have, I guess, what a, probably a day or two in between the game. What what are you guys doing at that point, and how are you feeling? Yeah, we're feeling we're feeling great. You know, we're feeling great that um, we just had a, a nice win versus Iowa. Um, you know, we're doing our preparation, going through the same routine, going back to the hotel, enjoying. You know, a nice meal, and and uh, obviously then we had to go back to work uh, the next, you know, the next day, and watching film and, and and talking to coaches about what the game plan was about Gonzaga and how the bigs were great and they were very physical and how we got to we had to deal with their guards. So those are the type of things. And of course, mentally we prepared. We knew ourselves as well. You know, before curfew, we just you know as a team just got around talking more about what the what the road ahead and. And, and yeah, and then just getting ready for uh, for that good game, that great game. Nice, nice. Uh, did Jim Calhoun have any particular message to you guys before tip off? Like, I don't know, anything memorable he had to say? Um, well, he just knew that we 
he kept telling us we, we needed to run. This, this team was going to run and, and, and just play the UConn way, uh, run the floor. And, and, and the bigs, obviously, us, we had to be physical, telling the bench to be ready anytime, um, and just sticking to the game plan. And, and we had to play great defense. And, and, and obviously, team defense also was uh, one of the key that he stressed before the game and obviously rebounding. Um, and just to be ready, really, to be ready. It wasn't going to be an easy one, but we stick together at the end of the day. We'll, we'll, we'll get the, the right result. The game starts, and, uh, you know, rewatching it, I we couldn't... I was surprised by how uh, sloppy the, the first, like, five minutes of the game was. I think it was only, like, two to two, three minutes in. You guys missed, I think, six of your first seven shots. The Gonzaga wasn't much better. Uh, Khaled Alamin gets two fouls uh, early, and he's basically done for the half. And then um, it's only it's it's a six to four game at the under sixteen timeout, but it's a uh, you know I can't imagine that Calhoun was happy with you guys. Do you um do you remember kind of what that that whole scene was like, just the the first four minutes or so, and then kind of what Coach said after it was a uh, maybe maybe not the best offensive start. Well, I, I don't know if I could say that on, on the air there, but you know, <laughs> but that's a typical Calhoun calling timeouts whenever we didn't get things going and and, and just going after us. Let's go, we gotta got to go, got to go here, but it was just two great teams playing defense, and, and, and at that point, you know, in, in the tournament, um, that's, you know, you have to show your defense has to be there, and, 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 and that's what we did, and that's what Gonzaga did, and uh, obviously our scorers, Rick, Rick Hamilton was struggling to score a little bit, and then same with, uh, of course, when Collard got into foul trouble, uh, who was our second best scorer, uh, then, then you know, then, then we had to really tighten up and, and, and it was it was scary for a little bit for both teams but once again at that point of the, the season it is expected that defense sometimes take over games and uh, but once again Cajon calling timeouts and, and letting us have it and then we had to we had to come out and and, and, and bring it and, and still it was a tight game so um, but yeah those are the type of games to expect going into at that point of the yeah I can I can I can only imagine. So um, there weren't very many big runs in this game. Uh, it felt like it was really a pretty close game within three points almost the whole way. Uh, but one of the one of the runs you guys did get came here. Um, Ricky Moore starts to drive to the rim and draw some fouls, and uh, you know the, the rest of the guys sort of chip in here and there. You end up getting a seven to nothing run and uh, take a you know briefly take a lead before Gonzaga hits a three to tie it. And uh, from that point on, it's really pretty close for most of the rest of the half. Um, you know, Jake Voskel gets called for a second foul. Uh, there's a, a big play where the Calvary uh, from Gonzaga gets a gets a basket to give them a four-point lead. It winds up being 32-31 at halftime. And um, I think just if I'm putting myself in the shoes of, you know, any UConn fans watching, I'm probably thinking, okay, that, that could have gone better, but we're in a good spot. What was what were you guys thinking at halftime? Was there any, you know, sense of you know, th- things you guys could have done better or were you guys pretty happy with uh, how, how you were, where you were at? I mean, that point in the game, you know, you gotta, that's when you kind of try to turn up your confidence up a little bit. And as a team, I remember us just trying to get everyone going, like, let's go, it's time to really go. This team is... Uh, we can't, you know, we can't let this team hang around and it's going to be a tight one at the end and, and who knows what's going to happen. So it was just a bunch of guys just talking to each other and then trying to, you know, uh, trying to pick each other up because we knew that that team wasn't going to go anywhere. We knew, we knew Gonzaga was ready. Uh, once again, they were, they, were, they, were, they were playing very well. And, and, and like you said, it was a tight game. We couldn't make a run. They couldn't make runs. And then it was just, it was just one of those um, 
that's that's that was one of those games. And and, and Cajon once again sticking to the game, sticking, sticking to the game plan, and making sure that they would execute. And 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 he just trying to tell us to stick with the moment, to play, to go play by play. Don't take any playoff, and and, and just keep keep going out, keep going, keep going. Yes, yes. So um, in the second half, uh, we have so we have a segment in this podcast a lot uh, we do towards the end. It's called Broadcast Beefs. And I got one that maybe you might take issue with. Um, There's a point with about four minutes into the second half where the cavalry gets a huge putback dunk. Uh, Gonzaga goes up four points. And one of the announcers basically is just like, you can see a little panic in the Huskies' eyes. And um, my first thought was, well, that doesn't sound right, but I'll ask you, was there any panic in your in your in the, the team's eyes or were you guys like thinking, okay, well, that, was, that wasn't great, but here we go. What, what were you guys thinking at that point? Well, you know, at, at that point in the game, obviously, there's always that little, you know, Every once in a while, you look at each other like, ah, we gotta, you know, we, we gotta pick it up right here. And, and I don't know if it's gonna look good, but at the end of the day, you stay confident because that's how you overcome those type of uh, adversity. So we, that's what we did, you know. But obviously, you know, down four and then seeing that the team play well and playing better and playing better, and we can't put them away uh, as the number one team, then, then, you know, you start to realize, ah, this, this might be a long night. But overall, we, we know we know we just had to play our game. We just had to be um, be patient and wait for Rip Hamilton once again. Wait for Elamine, especially once again. Elamine would in foul trouble. You know that that, that says a lot. We, we we really sometimes struggle struggle really to uh, to score. And we know we can rely on our we were gonna rely on our defense. So we we just waited for Elamine to come back. Obviously, which didn't really help us at the end. But uh, but yeah. So that, you know we, we we were confident. We were confident we were gonna make the run and get back to it absolutely so um you didn't have to wait long on rip uh he he kind of really started to find his groove right around this point he had a couple quick baskets to tie the game and kind of get you guys back into a a good groove uh rip was awesome in this game i believe he finished with 21 points he um just you know he was kind of all over the all over the court sort of doing well you know how rip is He, he he contributes in a lot of ways usually pretty efficient um, yeah, he was over 50% shooting for the game and, and, uh, you know, had, um, a couple, couple rebounds as well. Uh, you know, the guy obviously was a terrific player, but in this game in particular, what, what did you think about Rip and the way he kind of got you guys going in the second half? Yeah. You know, Rip Hamilton, Rip is Rip, you know, he's once again, um, he did so much for us at UConn, you know, for, for years, he was our main guy. Whenever we needed him, he was there. He showed and, uh, he showed up. He uh, scored for us the basket, and, and as long as we did, uh, you know, we we played our role. We knew that he was going to be there for us, and uh, it was nice to see him shoot fifty percent. And, and obviously, the rest is history, meaning what he did uh, for the rest of the tournament. Absolutely, uh, and now so he and uh, Ricky Moore were kind of the catalysts of this next big run that you guys had. Um, uh, Ricky, he was he was awesome getting to the rim in this game. This was at least the third time I remember him doing this, drawing a foul. Uh, he completes a three point play and uh, caps off an eight to nothing run. You guys are up fifty one to forty five. This it feels like the first time that you guys are like, okay, now UConn's kind of taking control. Um, it didn't really it didn't last for very long because uh, Gonzaga did make a comeback pretty soon after. But what were you guys thinking after Gonzaga calls the timeout? And uh, you guys have the six-point lead. Were you thinking you kind of have them where you guys want them? Yeah, you know, uh, 
once again, you know, when, when you have two great teams playing basketball, you know, to be run runs to be made every once in a while. And they did. We made we made one uh, with Rick, Rick, Ricky, uh, who actually was, you know, one of our uh, just for his defense. And then, but that year, somehow, especially the last four games of the tournament, he just he he became a different player, uh, scoring the basket for us, and and it helped when Khaled was on the bench, obviously. Uh, but and then we thought that we would now we, we had something going that we were gonna um, you know make make a big a bigger run than that especially with um, Collie maybe getting ready to come in but but no he comes Gonzaga comes in and, and make a nice run themselves and then once again back to zero now we had to work hard again uh, to try to get the lead back up so um, but yeah so that's 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 Ricky 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 really um, another big one showed up whenever we needed he he really it's true he really was fantastic in the tournament i rem- i did an episode with um on the 99 championship game a couple weeks ago and uh you know rewatching that it struck me like he was like your best offensive player in the first half which uh you know everybody you know constantly says yeah ricky moore is like the best defensive player in the country but every time he had this great offensive game everyone was surprised now you know I haven't you know I was I was very young and when this game you know during the 1999 tournament and I, I didn't grow up in Connecticut so I wasn't watching as a fan but rewatching now it's like are you we sure that Ricky Moore wasn't like one of your best offensive players because it feels like every time I watch him he's great what what do you think Yeah I mean Ricky you know and and on top of him showing up every once in a while and putting up important points and baskets and getting great stuff he was also a great leader I remember he was one of the guys that used to get us going. Literally, he was he was our true captain. Um, he knew exactly which button to push. And sometimes, you know, as, as players, sometimes you hear it, it's more effective when you hear it from another player than even when you hear it from a coach. And and that's what Ricky brought as well. Um, defense was great. And once again, that year, the last five or six games of the tournament, he was he was great. On he he scored a basket whenever we needed him. But he's just leadership. Um, you know, it's, it's his leadership probably is just to the, to the top, and then that helped us uh, get over the hump. No, definitely. Uh, yeah. So we, so like I said, that Gonzaga makes a comeback. They they go on a quick six to nothing run shortly after, and they tie it at fifty three with about six forty five to play. And from here on out, it's very much like a back and forth kind of thing. But you guys did have the lead for most of it. Uh, like a two-point lead at the under-four timeout. You know, Jake Voskel has a putback with two minutes left. That gives you guys a, f- a four-point lead. And then there was a weird a weird turnover where uh, Khaled basically kind of fumbles a, a pass at midcourt and, uh, you know, gives uh, Gonzaga a chance to, you know, make something of it. Um, but the defense holds up. You guys, I don't think they – I don't believe they ever took, uh, tied or took the lead again. Um so was there a point, uh, I guess it would have been right around when Khaled made those two free throws at the end to give you guys a three-point lead, but was there a point where you thought, okay, I think we might have this kind of, uh, you know, this is looking pretty good for us? Yeah, especially, you know, playing the type of defense um, that we play sometimes. You know, we, we knew that when you play defense at that level, you always have you always have uh, a chance to, to stay right in, in, in the end there. And obviously having Rip, Rip Hamilton also help, a guy who can give you a basket uh, whenever you need to. Um, but, yeah, you know, it's you, you think a little bit. You think about it a little bit, and it might be not. This might be a tough one. But, but once again, you, you rely on your defense, and we kind of buckled down a little bit and told each other we had to do, our defense had to be perfect moving forward. Um, and then, you know, that's, that's what we kind of did. We just stuck with it, and then 
playing harder defense and, and trying to run whenever we can and rely on rip. And uh, they worked out for us. No, absolutely. So we talked about uh, Khaled uh, being one of your better offensive players. Um, and you talked about kind of just waiting for him to, you know, kind of step up. Uh, he was, uh, frankly, really bad in this game. He went 0 for 12 from the field. But right in the last, you know, in the, the with 34 seconds left, he makes those two free throws and kind of, you know, gives you guys gives you guys the chance to, you know, put the game away. I mean, you know, they, you didn't win on those free throws. You kind of needed uh, Kevin Freeman to make his two at the next timeout. But, you know, uh, what did it say about Khaled that he was, I mean, frankly, played one of his worst games of the season and was still able to come through in that key spot? You know, uh, when I first went to UConn, Khaled was my roommate. And then uh, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this little guy and, and, and then I'm like, okay, hello. And then, you know, a couple of days later, I realized how this guy is. He's, he's, a, he's a small guy, but he's, he's actually one of the toughest guys out there. One of the, you know, one of the meanest, so competitive. And, and, and that's that's what it was, really. With two free throws, you know, two, two important free throws. And sitting almost the whole game, and then you come up. And and, and, and he, he wasn't phased with it going off for 12, off for 10, whatever the numbers were. Uh, he knew that. He was always ready, and that's the type of player he was uh, for the Huskies. Talon was just, just so, so important, and, and, and you know, um, just, just could give, could, couldn't break out any time out of any slump, and, 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 and that's what he did. And we needed those two free throws, obviously. So you were, you two were roommates. That's that's incredible. I need to, I need to hear a good Khaled, uh, like just in the dorm room story. <laughs> Is there any, any, any funny stories from just kind of behind the scenes? He was, I tell you, he was, he was, he's a joke, he was a jokester in the, in the locker room, you know. And and um, I'm trying to think of a story here. <laughs> I got have to think about hard here, but uh, there's so many, so many stories. And um, yeah, I have to crack on this one now. All right. Well, that we'll, we'll, we'll come back to this one, but uh, just while I, I think while we are on the subject, when you guys just kind of, you know, were just your daily routine was, a, you know, in 1999, I guess, like, was there any particular, I don't know, did you guys have a go-to movie or did you guys have a PlayStation or an N64 or something? Just kind of a, you know, what, what, what the thing that you guys did when you were not like, you know, practicing or working out or doing basketball stuff. We used to go to the movies a lot. Um, and, um, Obviously, we all, most of us stayed in, in, in the same dorm, so we used to, you know, we hung out a lot, um, went to each other's uh, places and, and had a good time. And, um, but yeah, movies, I think, was one of the things we did a lot, and, and Coach was you know, encouraged us to, to go, to you know, to hang together and, 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 and to, you know, uh, yeah, to be together as, as, as much as we can and to build those, that camaraderie and then become friends and and obviously that helped with the winning the national championship even when we remember when we nights before the game when we were at hotels or even a couple of days before when we flew or everything we everything we did together you know we trying to hang, we, we hung out and and that helped that helped us become the team um, uh, we were that year so the game ends with Kevin Freeman making those last two free throws. Uh, you know, once he makes one of them, the game is basically over. He makes them both. You guys win. Um, and it's like a huge deal. Like this is, I think at that point, UConn was, had more tournament appearance, appearances than anyone else without making a final four. So for you guys to break through, I mean, you know, we kind of talked about it before, but just like that, that celebration, what was that like? Just to be in that moment, be like, oh my God, we've, you know, 
kind of made it farther than any other UConn team has ever made it before. And that's history, you know. When you when you go when you come in after Ray Allen, you come in after uh, all these great players, uh, Donnie Marshall and Danielle Marshall, and I mean so many. You, Darren Shepherd, the the guy from the Israeli guy, that great nothing but great players play playing for uh, from uh, sorry for UConn, and then and then you come in and they they were not able to get to the final four. Uh, not that because they weren't great, but they just didn't have that that that, that change or what have you. And then you come in uh, as the '99 team and then come in and get over the hump, and it was awesome. It was you, know, you could see in Cajon's faces and all the coaches that have been there for years. Uh, they finally enjoyed. You know that's what they're working for. They're, that's that's what they that year really, before the season they said, "All right, we got to get over the hump. We got to get to Final Four and then move beyond." So when that happens, it's just it's excitement. Everybody's is happy, joy everywhere. Everybody jumping around. Coach, I've never seen coach jump that high. Um, the whole time at UConn, so it was it was you know it's memorable. It was, it was probably the best best you know one of the best games we played. It was it was nice to see that team go over the hump that year. No, that's awesome. Especially after year after year and getting stuck at the final uh, final late, and once again going back to what we promised to each other. After the North Carolina game, um, you know, so it, it was worth it for Rip and and, and, and Kevin coming back and, and everyone else playing well. So kind of just to go back a little further. So you, I know that you uh, kind of were new to basketball, you know, compared to many of your teammates. So when you first came over, when did you really appreciate just what making the Final Four would mean to UConn, seeing as that you didn't necessarily kind of grow up with the kind of the, the, the history of it necessarily? You know, when I when I came to this country, really, I wasn't aware of the history of the NCAA, and even you know a lot of different things I wasn't really aware of. And obviously, not speaking the language didn't help either. Uh, for really, even after my career at UConn, that's when I really realized how, you know, how how, how lucky I was to be part of the UConn uh, national national championship, or even go to UConn, you know, and. Um, and then even yeah, winning the national championship once again, and, and, and being part of that great team that made that run, and, and literally didn't appreciate it. Did, didn't know how important it was to me until really in recent years. Really, really mean that. Oh, that's awesome. So, what was that transition like? Because uh, obviously, at the time, you didn't speak very much English, and I, I can only imagine how much different stores Connecticut must be compared to, you know, where you grew up. Uh, Dakar, Senegal, right? Is that that's where you were originally yeah. from? So, what's I mean, that's that's a it must be pretty different. So, what was that transition like to go from you know your your home country to Yukon? Well, it was it, it was different, you know. It, it was very it was very different. I remember coming coming up here? I didn't actually I didn't know where I was going. I just knew that I was coming to the United States to play basketball, and I didn't know what, you know what was happening or where I'm going and how am I going to be living, all that extra stuff. So I just came in. Obviously, it was cold and everything was different. The food was different. Uh, the language was different. Now I was called upon to speak the language English, something that I didn't know and. Um, uh, what else? Uh, it, was, it was just yeah. Basketball was different because because I, I just played a year and a half of organized basketball before I, before I came to this country. Actually, just a year of basketball, a year and a half before I came to the United States. So um, my son plays AU right now, and obviously I'm I'm a little jealous. And I can see him. He has a mentor, somebody to teach him how to you know how to how to go about it, how to be tough, how to 
you know, how to do play ball the right way. And I didn't have that. So it was different. So I, I went to UConn and not, not knowing a lot of different things, uh, what was expected out of me and everything. So I just, for the first couple of years, really, I just went on a ride and I was getting better each and every day. And, and yeah, so, but it was different. It was, it was really, it was, it was tough. It's uh, it must be, it must have been such a whirlwind. I mean, you know, just, I mean, I can't even, I can't even imagine what the transition must have been like, but the idea that you can go from basically not playing basketball at all to winning a national championship in, I mean, two years, I mean, less, a very short amount of time. It's, uh, it's, inc- it's incredible that you had that opportunity and that you were able to experience that because it's, uh, you know, kind of everybody dreams of having, you know, the ability to win a national championship. And I mean, you got to live one of the best ones ever. That's, uh, so that, that's pretty cool. Um, what, you know, we, everybody, you know, everybody seems like they've got a Jim Calhoun story. I mean, I, I've got a few just from covering the team, uh, with the, you know, in 2010, 11, I mean, you know, he, he's, he's got a reputation for being really colorful. What, what do you think is your favorite Jim Calhoun story? And it doesn't necessarily have to be one of him, like, you know, cursing you guys out. Just, you know, it's just any, anything that sticks out to you that kind of makes you smile. Well, I, he hated losing. Calhoun really hated to lose. I mean, I'm still, to this day, I'm sure he hates losing uh, a basketball game. So, uh, not sure <laughs> not sure if this is one of the best stories out there. But, um, you know, a couple of times when we didn't do well, a, a team that we were supposed to be, we didn't beat. So, on the way back, uh, you know, we'd be traveling from New York on the bus or to um, uh, flying back from Pittsburgh or whatever it is. He'll, uh, he'll tell us, he'll, he'll ask us to, he asked us to just be quiet, and 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 sometimes we couldn't even we we didn't even get something to eat because he was just like he'll that's that's how competitive the guy was and uh, the guy is and and and, and it showed you know we had to be on our toes and um, yeah great coach you know uh, one of the if not the best coach I ever played for um, you know very passionate about what he was what he's doing and he's uh, he was always going after he had to play the right way. You know, you had to play the right game the right way. And that's what Coach Calhoun is, right? Nice, nice. Have you uh, been in touch with him since, uh, you know, since you graduated? Yeah, I actually sent them an email. Uh, I sent them a note a couple of days ago to congratulate him on, on the season. And obviously he replied back saying the same thing to me. And, of course, I was just checking to see if, you know, just telling them that to stay to stay healthy in this tough time and tough times and that. What he's doing at St. Joseph's is pretty remarkable, isn't it? I mean, that program, it's, I mean, I mean, you talk about quick transitions. They, that program didn't exist like two years ago. And now they, you know, obviously we'll never know how far they would have gone because of, you know, the coronavirus obviously canceling everything. But I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy to see how quickly he was able to build a, a program like that at his age, especially because like, you know, he'd, he'd been out of coaching for five, six, seven years. And then he just kind of, just starts up a D3 program, and there you go. Yeah. At his age, you know, I mean, not that I'm surprised, but that's, once again, that's who the guy is. He's, he's very competitive. He knows which buttons to push. Um, he knows how to get guys to play at the highest level, and, and, and that's, what he, that's, what he, that's what he did, though, you know, winning four national championships in the last, you know, maybe 10, whatever amount of years it were, 14, 15 years. Um, and so it was um, – you know, it, it's that's that's who he is. He he really knows how to get guys going, how to how to build a team, 
either, you know, get guys to perform at the highest level. And, and, and obviously, he was a great coach, you know, X and O's. And, um, and he's very competitive. No, absolutely. Um, have you been keeping up with UConn these days, uh, this this past year's team in particular? Yeah, I went to a couple of games there at the UConn. Um, of course, I usually bring them bad luck. Whenever game I go to, they usually end up losing. But but this last year, I was able to – actually, I took my team there, high Havel team, to, to one of those games, and that was one of the – a good one there. Wait a minute. Actually, I think I know which one. Was it the South Florida game by any chance? Yes, it was. Yeah, South Florida game. I was at that game too, and I definitely saw one of your players. He was wearing the Haverhill lo- like the jacket or something, and uh, I I, for, I think at the time I was like, oh hey, that kid's from Haverhill. When my next thought should have definitely been, oh Suleiman must be here. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. What what do you what do you what do you think just about the the, the season they put together this past year? Yeah, um, you know it, it, they did they did very well. You know, obviously you need players to to perform, um, and you know, now coach looks like he's going to, he got a couple of good players, especially, I mean, it was nice to see those rookies um, coming in this year and, 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 and perform well. Um, and obviously going back to the Big East, you know, that, I think that was the number one uh, problem with UConn, not being to the Big East and attracting all these good, good players. Um, but now, you know, going back to the Big East, you know, they'll get a chance to face Villanova, Georgetown and all these all these great teams that are going to be in there. So, um, that, that could just attract good players once again. They'll come in from New York once again that we need uh, at, at, at UConn. And, and obviously, I think Denny's a, Harley's a great coach. And, and, and Harley, the real, um, some good. I'm very optimistic about where the Huskies are going, and, and I think we're in a good shape. Yeah, I, I think the, the the move to the Big East is huge for sure. Um, I was asked, I was just about to ask about uh, Coach Hurley. Have you ever have you gotten a chance to know him at all, or just at this point still kind of mostly just from afar? Yeah, I I kind of I met him, uh, but just just briefly, obviously, because he was he was uh, playing a game there. Uh, he was coaching, sorry, but uh, yeah, I I met him, but not we really didn't get a chance to talk, sit down and and, and, and talk and all of that, but. Once again, he seems to be a, a, good, a good guy. He knows what he's doing. Um, now, he seems to be lucky recruiting a lot uh, this past year, especially the last couple of years. So, um, And then, obviously, he needed a little bit of time to get to get accommodated with everything. And he seems like he's on the right path. So um, he has I know he has a lot of support from the UConn alumni, so he's, he's, he's on the right path. Nice, nice. So, um, let's take it back to 1999 then. So, uh, after you guys win, uh, be, you know, after you guys beat Gonzaga, obviously you guys go to Tampa for the Final Four, and um, you know, you win it, win it all there. So, um, what kind of what was the rest of the story for you? So, while I have you, just you know, what was that Final Four experience like, and especially going into and beating Duke, uh, given kind of what a juggernaut they were that season. Yeah, you know, I remember sitting. Um, well, first of all, this was a great experience. Just going flying from this uh, this city and then going to the next city for the next you know round of the the tournament. There, it was awesome. Um, you get to stay at the great hotels, great food, and obviously winning. Calhoun's happy. Everything is going well, and then we all we all doing great, and um, the mood is awesome. And um, we sitting. I remember once again sitting at the hotel, me and my roommates, and then we listening. I mean, it's the whole team. We, we're hanging out. We just 
you know, he listened to Dick Vitale and all these other guys talk about this is going to be a Duke Invitational. Um, you know, it, it kind of gave us a little little thing to like, oh, okay, so it, it gave us uh, some fire to, um, you know, to to come out and, and play well and play harder. And, and and I think that's what it was. And obviously Duke was great that year. They were, they were beating everybody almost by at least 10 points or more. Um, and we actually had a couple of close ones as well when we had a, I think that's the year when we beat Pittsburgh at the buzzer or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. I so, think so, yeah. You know, we had, we had a, yeah, we had a different path there, and, and but then we were playing well as well. So, so I went yeah, up. And then, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I, so like I, like I said before, I kind of, uh, I became a Yukon person much later. So um, my, my freshman year was 2008, 2009. So when I, I definitely have been experiencing this season for, you know, the benefit of hindsight. And I don't understand why you guys were considered such an underdog. Like obviously Duke was an incredible team and, you know, for them to be favored, you know, certainly makes sense given the guys they had, but you guys, I think were like the biggest underdog in a championship game ever. And, you know, people treated you guys like you were like some like 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 afterthought. It, it was weird. You guys were, had two losses and, you know, were ranked number one longer than they were. It's I don't know. What do you what did what did you make of that? I think the biggest thing is the fact that we had we, we weren't we never got to that point. We never really went all the way to the final four uh, and then even played the championship game. So uh, and obviously Duke is Duke had all the resume and had great players. It's, so it was still, I think it was still there. Um, yeah, but what we know, we believe it in ourselves. We know exactly what kind of team we had. We had a we had a deep bench, and we had guys coming off and playing well. Our starters were great. Uh, we just had a we just had an awesome team that year. We know we were clicking on every every cylinder. At a, we knew we had great coaching, and, and and we were prepared. You know, we we were, we were well prepared. We know exactly. Uh, I remember Calhoun talking about the game plan was run. Run! He was. He looked at me. He'll grab me by by the shirt. Like if you don't run, you know, I just want you to do run. Get open brain tight. And so between myself and Vasco and and Edmund Saunders, and we just kept running the floor. So that was that's one of the uh, big important part of the game plan to get maybe open brain a little tired and double team on whenever we had. And and, and we were ready. We were ready for what co- whatever coach threw at us. And, and obviously, we were ready through practice because we had we just used to be with each other in practice every single day and, and, and running, and that got us ready. It got us ready. What was it like to play against Delton Brandon in that game? Yeah, it was. It was you know, it was it was one of the best moments of my life because obviously Elton was was uh, I believe he was no, he went on to become a number one pick uh, that year. He was he was a good, strong guy, strong player. Um, so you get to go against him and. and we get the, you know, it's, yeah, it was, it was, it was great. It was great going against one of the best teams. Before every game, we had our nice routine going there. We had a, a DMX song that we had to go go through and then a rap song that they got us going. You know, they got us going through that, the whole championship. Well, Rough Riders anthem, is that it? Yeah, the Rough Riders, yeah. There was, we, we had to, yeah, we had to... <laughs> We had to sing the song every day, and, and, and that was a highlight of something memorable, something we'll never forget. Before every game, we had to step in there. Obviously, the championship, it was, we, we were ready. We, we had to sing it, walking into the alley. It was a long alley. We just kept walking before entering the stadium. The stadium. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, 
that they, they mentioned that the Hartford Current did a great podcast uh, on the 99 team uh, last year. And I remember hearing that. And I think if if I'm not mistaken, that like that was that song was like one of the ways you basically helped help teach you English. Is is that right? Um, well, yeah. Well, the guys, were, we, we kind of had a I had a part to it. Kind of guys will, will, will rap to it, will sing the song. And then, of course, at one point they had all pause. They didn't hear me go go with it. And, and obviously that was my. I was still learning English then, and, and there was one thing to also get everyone going, and, and, and they were waiting for me to, to pick up my lines and, and then go with it. Do you uh, care Do you care to share what your parts were? Uh, <laughs> I'll save it. I'll save it for later. Okay, so, sounds good. Um, all right. Well, let me let me think of what else we got then. Um, so why don't we? Yeah. So you guys win the national title, and uh, you know you enjoy it. You know the rest of your career at UConn. What have you been up to since? Um, just you know, obviously you're you're coaching high school basketball now. Uh, what was sort of your journey between UConn and then to your current stop in Haverhill? Uh, you know, what were you up to in the meantime? You know, U- UConn really helped me a lot. Uh, play, play, learn to play hard, to play, play tough, and, and, and play smart, and, and, and all of that. So I was able to take my talent back to um, uh, overseas. Sorry, take it to overseas to, to different. I went to different places: uh, Bosnia, Japan, Poland, and of course Germany. Me, an African African kid, uh, you know, warm weather all the time, and then I ended up going to Yukon, to, uh, to all these cold places, and, and then kept playing basketball and learning new languages and, uh, you know, eating food and, and different, you know, I went to almost all the continents and, and, and played basketball. It was, it was great. That's, that's, that's my first, first things I've done after UConn. You know. Any, any particular, I, sorry, I was just going to say any particular place you went, uh, stand out, like any of the countries you like best? I enjoyed playing in Japan. Uh, Japan was nice and uh, easy. Um, I, I loved playing there. It was it was uh, really stress free. Probably Bosnia was kind of cold, but it was it was a good play, place. Learned a lot from. I had a great coach actually. Taught me really the fundamentals of basketball as well. Increase whatever I learned at UConn, and then uh, yeah, went to uh, Poland. Poland was kind of cold, but it was another uh, another place that I enjoyed playing. And obviously Germany was one of my favorites, Germany, because, you know, the language is there. And I had a couple of, for the first time I had a couple of American friends and, and we, we were in Germany and it was one of the best places I played basketball at. Nice. Nice. So after you decided to hang them up, what did you uh, do next? Uh, sort of the, the next step after kind of the basketball journey sort of reached its end. Yeah, of course I, I, it was too too bad because I felt like I was gonna be the next Mutombo. Played played for till I was I don't know forty five or so, and uh, but it, it didn't happen, you know, because I had a couple of injuries, the knee, and then I had a hip. The hip really was the thing that kind of stopped me from playing basketball, um, enjoying playing basketball because my career overseas was kind of short. I was expecting to play once again longer, but yeah, then I had to now I had to choose a different, um, you know job career now now what so i was i came home and 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 i found you know with my wife uh and uh who's a fellow husky and then um yeah and then i I get i write the next chapter of my life and then it ended up being at Havel high for teaching french there and coaching basketball obviously 
Nice. Yeah. And you, uh, I know that you were an assistant for a few years too, before you got the head coaching job. So, uh, tell me about that. Just, uh, kind of, you know, you got the education as a player and then, you know, actually becoming a coach, it's, you know, not, not the easiest thing. So, you know, what did you learn about those years sort of trying to build up your own coaching chops before it was, you know, your chance to, uh, actually lead the program yourself? Yeah, I mean, I remember I was there for a year or two, and then I was contacted by Mike Trovato, who was the old coach there. And then uh, he, you know, he asked me, do you want to coach? And then I said, wow, yeah, it's, I definitely want to go back to basketball and, and see what I could do. And obviously, I wasn't I wasn't really thinking about coaching, coaching, but the opportunity was there. I said, let me see what it is about, you know, and... and uh, yeah, so I was coaching the junior varsity, and then I was assist. I was an assistant coach there for a couple of years, I believe. Yeah, so from there, then I went to UMass Lowell. Uh, but of course, you rewind it before UMass Lowell. I had a chance also to. That's I was coaching the Noel Von Lees and um, Saul and and Parker. And, Nice. So um, I think you mentioned before that your son is playing AAU. So is he, how old is he now? Is he like, uh, not not high school age yet, is he? No, he's uh, he's 12. He just turned 12 last week. And uh, yeah, he's he plays Lowell Travel because I live, I live in Lowell. And then of course he's playing a little AAU. And, and, and yeah, so he's just you know, trying to teach him, pass him all the knowledge, something I didn't have growing up. So he's I keep telling him every day, you lucky, you lucky have a mentor or somebody to teach you the game a little bit. So it's him and I uh, have another one, eight year old, uh, who also just started playing basketball. So hopefully it probably won't be big, big boys stuff. So we'll, we'll see. That'll be fun to see for, for those guys and for your players or just, you know, the kids you coach in general, how much is it the fact that you have the, you know, the, the, the major college experience and the national championship to your name, how much does that resonate with them? I think it helped a lot, you know. I mean, it, it helps a lot, really, to, uh, that I had all that going from UConn to going overseas. And then, obviously, it helps that I'm tall as well. And then I come in, and then they, they kind of believe it. And I'm like, oh, he knows what he's talking about. And and, and it's just, uh, of course, I learned a lot also between uh, coaching for Greg Herander, learning from um, Calhoun and, and overseas coaches. And it's just, you learn a lot, and then you're just trying to transfer all of that, all that knowledge uh, into for uh, to the boys and then and it's nice when they respond you know it's nice when they respond very well and that's what I had this opportunity this year to I had great this kid finally listening to whatever the message is and and uh, if it's the right message obviously they'll listen to it and then and that was why we had a nice turnaround so Nice. So um, I just want to go back to something I think you said earlier. You did you overlap with Noah Vonley when he was at Haverhill for the one year. Yes. Yeah. When, when Noah was here for that year, I was there coaching with them. That's when I was a junior varsity coach, and I was assisting Mike, and he was here. But uh, yeah. What was it like to coach him? Because obviously he's you know gone on to become so successful. You know, was it? Did you know even back then what he was capable of becoming? Yeah, because you know he was so he's full big boy. He was able to like dribble the ball, like literally he had tight handle, and then something that he was I mean was. Back in the day, I mean, yeah, he was—he was just so talented. You could see it. He could, he could jump a little bit, and, and, and you could see. But I believe he was just 15 years years old, turning into 16 or so. But I'm—I'm I'm almost positive that he was 15. And uh, you could see he didn't even grow into his body. Um, and you could just see the talent then, how how uh, athletic the kid could, you know, 
will become and, 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 and just a great kid too. He was a great listener. Always very, very polite, always trying to learn the game, the right play the game the right way, and then just looking to learn. He was always trying to learn something new. Um, so we, we knew I knew back then that this could um, could be special and yeah. Nice, nice. Uh, so I guess there's kind of one more thing on the, the you know, the local stuff. Tell, tell me about the season you guys just had, because um, obviously, you know, the Merrimack Valley Conference is really tough. Uh, you guys are, you know, going up against some of the, the top schools in Massachusetts. Um, so you guys to be able to compete, I mean, how did, how, what did, what was it like for you to just kind of have some breakthrough success against some of the, the best teams in the round? Well, I think for the first time I had continuity this year. I had a uh, Six six players last year that went into my system who kind of knew, uh, sorry, five. They knew exactly what the expectations are for me and because I had that team last year. We went to the playoff with those six guys. And then um, so this year when they when they came back um, and then I added a new bunch of players from the junior varsity team, it was just now we had something going. We had continuity. We had uh, pieces uh, to put in place, and and once again, the boys they, they loved it. This 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 bunch of this group of kids were a little different because they they loved the game. They they played it all year round. They they were there, and then that was a great start. That finally we had a handful. Uh So now it was just a matter of making sure they play hard, making sure that they play uh, together, which they did. You know, um, and obviously Merrimack Valley Conference is a tough. Is 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 a tough. Tough league, you know, with so many great teams. Uh, we went to battle with them every night, and, and the boys, um, they were getting better. We were getting better each and every, every day and every game. Um, had some nice wins, and and obviously, yeah, so good good season uh, overall. Looking to be better next year. Nice. So just looking a little bit further down the road, so if, you're, if your son is playing in Lowell right now and you're coaching Haverhill, is there a scenario where your son ends up playing for Lowell and ends up actually playing against your Haverhill team? Is that something that might happen, or well, what do you what do you have you given that possibility any thought? Well, I, I try not to think about it right now. So, <laughs> um, but it's you know I mean I don't know we we, we live in Lowell and obviously I coach at uh, at Haverhill and and who knows what the future holds, but. Um, yeah, it, it it could it could happen. You never know. You never know. Be careful how uh, how you know much co- coaching you give him, or it could come back to bite you. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. That's true. So, all right. Well, so th- so Lamont, thanks so much. This has been great. Um, before we go, I did just want to circle back and uh, you know see if we can do a quick story time. So I'll give I'll give you the choice. Do you want to tell a Calhoun story, a Khaled Elamine story, or the rough ride your your rough rider anthem uh, segment? I'll do Elamine. All right, let's let's hear it. What's what's their best uh, Elamine story? Well, my best Elamine story was um, probably maybe Hack Two. Well, One of them, uh, first first time going in, uh, he was my roommate once again. We, we go in there and uh, he'll. I'm, I'm sleeping three in the morning and I turn around and I'm hearing somebody eating. I'm hearing just crunches, you know, and, and I turn around, it was, it was Kyle who just woke up in the middle of the night and just, like, eating his chips. And I'm like, well, what's going on with this guy? So I thought that was a little funny. But that's, that's <laughs> he, he woke you up by eating a bag of chips at 3 in the morning? 
tips so like around three in the morning or so and and and, and that's who it was you know oh my god did you say you have another one too yeah, well, an- another one I remember. Whenever I got a rebound, he didn't trust me with it. He'll he'll just come in and then like squeeze, squeeze, and he'd say, "Squeeze, baby, squeeze, baby." And I thought it was one of those funny things. And I and then I'll squeeze the ball in, and, and he really t- to this day I'm usually using it with my big guys. My big guys, uh, they they grab the ball and then and they just sit there with it. I'm, I'm using the Khaled Elamine story, trying to get them to understand that they need to squeeze the ball. So the guards don't just come around and, and, and grab the ball. So. Oh my God, that's amazing! <laughs> I love that story. Oh man, that's great. Uh, Suleiman, thanks so much for coming on. This is this has been a lot of fun. Um, so the last question I have for you is the last question I ask all my guests. Uh, who was the top dog? Uh, so generally we focus on the game, but uh, for for you, why don't we just kind of keep it top uh, big picture for the championship run? Uh, who was the top dog on you know the '99 championship team? Top dog for my team? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like you know, you know, if you had to, you know, obviously there were a lot of top dogs in your team, but just like you know, the, the guy you thought, just like looking back, it's like, yeah, man, that guy was awesome. Uh, I would probably say uh, Kevin Freeman. Kevin Freeman, I like it. Why? Why is that? Kevin, actually, you know, I didn't tell him this because then he would, he probably would, would get on me a lot. Uh, obviously, you know, with the with, with the rap song, he'll, he'll he'll tell me that I was learning rap through the CDs. Obviously, they used to make fun of me with that thing, which is kind of true. Uh, with watching BET as well, but uh, Kevin Freeman because he was my idol, literally one of my idols at UConn. Because I I always wanted to play at Kevin Freeman's level, because Kevin was the type of kid that when he played, when he practiced every single day, you could see his lips were even like white from just running around too much and he didn't take any playoff and i was just trying to get to that level i was saying to myself man every single day i'm gonna be play like that i'm gonna play like kevin and uh, obviously it was hard because that's who kevin was so that's why he he was my he's he's he was my top dog or he's my top dog that's amazing well suleiman thanks so much um I'll, i'll i'll let you go then and uh you know hopefully if you if you want you're welcome to come back on anytime and uh you know if you have any particular game you want to talk about, just hit me up and we'll we'll make it happen. Yeah, you could just, you know, whenever you think about it, I'm, it's, it's a pleasure. Thank you for the invite. And once again, um, yeah, whenever game you think of, and, and obviously I'm, I'm, I'm always happy to do it anytime you want. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks so much. So, yeah, so for everybody listening, thanks so much. Uh, we'll be back next week. And uh, if you have any thoughts, you can follow me on Twitter at Max Cerullo. That's M-A-C-C-E-R-U-L-L-O. And we have an email set up as well, and that is yesyukonpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, we'll be looking forward to doing this again, and uh, everybody will catch you all next week. Bye.